Okay, good morning. Today's class is sponsored by Michael Ben Chava for his single friends who find true Trooper Sherid. Refuah for Shimon Moshe Benadina for all those who need to find the Shidduch. Thank you for Anonymous four times. Anonymous for Shidduch for Simcha of Shloimi Ben Yovne and Avadia Ben Lillian. Also Yerucham Ben Rivka for Bracha Parnasa and for and Avraham Mordechai Ben Sigalitzvi for Bracha Hatzlacha Parnasa help with all legal matters and the marriage of Mordechai Shimon Ben Etam. For Rufo Shalema, Ebi Hako for the son of Matthew Hako, to have all harsh decrees cancelled. And for the Rufo Shalema of Jerry, son of Kay. Anonymous in the Zuchut of me actually hitting my goals, especially when it comes to meeting me eating and continuing and thanking Hashem for all, all of the classes. Also in Lunishmat uh, Yisrael, Zev Ben Aaron Laser. Also in Lunishmat Yerachmat Yenu Ben Gedalia and I'm very, I apologize last night for um, not doing the class yesterday. We ended up doing the class, but we ended up doing it at the, also in the Shot of Joshua and Naomi Bochotera, may Hashem give them life, happiness, Shalom Bayit, Noah and Hara, and they should only have the best, both of them. We had a beautiful, beautiful event last night, um, but obviously when you're around a lot of Moroccans, you can't record these events. <laughs> because they become very animated. And it was not for recording. So we ended up switching the topic from hitting goals. Next thing you know, we're talking about relationships. And, and uh, it was just a completely different class. So we're going to talk a little bit about the energy that I got last night. And I wanted to, because of that energy I got last night, I said, you know, I need to talk about this today. So today's books are going to be Winning Every Moment, The Balatanya. And another book, Letting Go, on the chapter of relationships. Really, really unbelievable concept. And, and you know, when you read this, these things, the, the, most, the most amazing thing in life, when you know that the ball is in your court, you know, there's nothing more liberating in your life when you know that you can change everything. We're, we're hostage when we're waiting on other people to change. You know, when we're waiting on other people to change for, to determine our happiness, we're, we're pretty much basically putting our hands up and say, here, handcuff me. You lose hope. But when you know, when you know the ball's in your court, you know, it's like, you know, you have a deal. The ball's in your court. <laughs> You're in control. We're in control of our happiness. And this is something very beautiful which we're going to talk about today um, and how much of our, uh, what we're holding in is projecting on other people. And there's a great line that I read um, that when you're smiling, the whole world is smiling with you. But when you cry, you cry alone. Not saying crying out of, God forbid, a person going through a tragedy, but when, you're not, when you don't have the, mind, the right mindset, and you're depressed, and you're sad, and you, nobody's crying with you. Nobody's crying with you. The people, nobody's crying with you. But when you're happy, people celebrate your victories. People want to be around you. The whole world is smiling with you. This is why, when we have the, the right perspective, everything changes. Everything changes. When we have the wrong perspective, all we, what we become, unfortunately, is we become takers. And nobody wants to be around us. And this is a big message. Smile, the whole world will smile with you. Find a way to smile, Rav Nachman says. If you have to steal it, steal a smile from the future. Find a way to be happy regardless. Because what's going to happen is, it's going to lead you to interpret everything else completely different. So let's take the... First I'm going to give you the spirituality of this concept. And then I'm going to give you the, the psychology of this concept. Which is funny because I've read... Two exactly different things. And they were exactly the same thing. 
But one's coming from a Hasidic angle and another one's coming from a psychology angle, which is pretty much the same thing. If we recognize it, it's all Hasidus. Just the language is different. There's, I, I can't thank Hashem enough for David Hawkins' um, books on letting go and, and, and surrender. And all. It's just his language really... What this guy did, he's not, obviously he's not Jewish, but what this guy did, um, it's just he brought the language to a different level. He made it really in a Simpson. Really made it really, really, really in his examples, etc., for us to use. One of the most important principles, obviously, of the Balatanya was the connection and special bond between people. There's a big emphasis on Be'ahavta Lerecha Kamocha in Chabad. In general, obviously, the, the amount of uh, you know the amount of effort spent on you know putting Chabad in, in Sri Lanka and in all kinds of crazy places, you know, like who cares about these people there? Chabad does. Chabad cares about the guy in uh, in the middle of Guatemala doesn't have a kosher food. He, the Chabad's thinking about that guy. They're, they're thinking about everybody. They're thinking about every single Jew, which is it's unbelievable. You know, wake up in the morning. Well, how can I help other people? That, that's Chabad's unbelievable, that's a tremendous success. But they're thinking, you know, why do you need a synagogue in this neighborhood? Don't you have one across the two weeks? No, you need one in this neighborhood too. It's, it's, it's just it's the concept behind loving your Jew, loving your fellow Jew, and just wanting the best and wanting to serve people. There's no wonder why they have, they have many, have, I, don't, I don't know if there's a Chabad that went out of business. It's because you know they're they're constantly funded by the, the, the main organization, but you could just, it's just trade chesed. So their their main thing was obviously this concept of, of loving each other and loving each Jew, obviously because we're all part of the same thing. And the Balatanya was talking about back then they, they would have many issues with men, men, people that were against chesed, mignagdim, the people that were against them. And the, the Balatanya would always constantly say, you have to accustom yourself to love every Jew and judge them favorably. And he would constantly say, don't get even. Don't get even with people. Love them. Show them compassion, etc. Love them. This is just the emphasis. But he's saying here to explain, the Tanya explains that the idea presented in the teachings of Kabbalah that every single soul is connected to the one source. We also have to look at our marriages, our relationships, like a one source. You can't look at it as a separate thing. If you're looking at it as a one source, you're, 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 what are you doing? You're fighting for the, for the sake of the soul, not individuals. Once there's individuals involved, then that united soul, then there's judgment. But once you're together, like, you know, we, we watch sports all the time. You can, have, you can have a team where the team's not the greatest player, but they're playing together. They're winning basketball games. So you look at Yeshiva University, how they won on the 50-game winning streak. But you could see there was unity. When there's unity... There's, there's success. But when teams don't play together, they've got the greatest players, but they have big egos. And the big egos, you know, look at the Lakers. Um, you know, big players, great players, but no the big egos. So you can see the difference in our lives also. This is an analogy for our lives. So that's the first thing, that we're all connected to the The second thing is every soul plays a different role in the world, just as each organ in the body has a different organ. There's some souls that are higher souls, some souls that are lower souls, but we have to recognize that we can't judge etc. based on this concept. So what he's saying here, the similarity between the two souls and the mutual responsibility, it's just like one guy has to, is the, you know, in business, for example, one guy has to go find the deal, another guy has to go uh, uh, be the, you know, the working capital, another guy has, but it's all one. The same thing, we each all serve different roles, we're not better than the other ones, we have a different role. This is where the, the concept of loving each other. In the eyes of the Balatanya, 
Deep self-improvement is a basic condition for your relationship with others. If your relationships with others are not good, it's because you need deep self-improvement. It's your relationship with yourself. Your relationship with your creator is the problem. It has nothing to do with people. People are just a reflection of what you're holding. And this is exactly what David Hawkins is going to talk about. When we succeed in getting closer to others without developing contempt, resentment, and anger, this is because we've attained true love of ourselves and we've, we've reached a higher consciousness. The, your ability to have more peace with other people and have better relationships, you, it's because of your deep work within yourself, recognizing the, the, the flaws of your character, recognizing what you want. To the extent that you change your relationship with your creator, your relationship, the relationship with people change. I keep, I keep on saying that all the time. And the worst thing is when you have the wrong therapy in life. When you have the wrong, when you have the wrong theory, you're going to have the wrong therapy. And I can't, I, this is such, a, such an important point that I constantly get to people. If the theory is wrong, the therapy is wrong. If you think the problem is outside of you, you're going to say, okay, well, let me just find different characters. But if you recognize that the problem is inside of me, then I have to change and I attract different people in my life. Period. Period. And the worst thing is to walk around with the wrong therapy. It's like pretty much exactly what the world is going through today. You know, they have the wrong theory about this virus, etc., fear, etc., control. And you can see where it's getting them to. <laughs> the more control, the more fear, the more the numbers go up. Completely opposite. Instead of reducing it, it goes higher and higher. The same concept with us. The Balatanya is telling us that the root of rejecting others and, fe- and feelings of arrogance, when one does not feel peace with oneself, he does not accept others, be other people. He, he won't allow it. He's going to end up harboring hate. Arrogance and hatred separate persons between a person and others. Separation is a defect and a deficiency of the soul. Okay? The second reason why I can't judge others is because it's impossible to know exactly what they're going through. Period. You don't know exactly what's going on in that person's life. And this is every single, exactly what Rav Nachman tells us all the time. That Azamra, when I'm focusing on the good points of somebody, I can change that person. Because when I'm seeing the good in that person, because I'm seeing the good in myself, I'm seeing the good in that person, I can change that person. The teachings of Chabad and the teachings of Vifs basically telling us that people are our mirrors. People are our mirrors. If you feel bad about yourself, your body, your situation, that you will be impatient with your surroundings. Everything will be nuisance. The same thing. When we feel good about ourselves, everything else changes. And this is a lot of the same questions that I got last night. You know, we're, we're, we're trying to fix people. We're trying to fix situations. When, when we, our creator is basically telling us, you're the one that needs to work on yourself. And, and you should see, what, why do we get such results when we work on ourselves? Because when you now that approach is a humble approach, you're recognizing that you are not seeing the picture right. It's like the same guy trying to change God. You're the one not seeing the picture right. When you recognize you're the one not seeing the picture right, and you're willing to question your perspective, everything changes in your life. But when you're saying it's an outside problem without me changing, this is why any prayer that the form of prayer that if I pray, God changes his mind, why do you think God gave me a problem in the first place? So I change myself. But when I'm trying to go change God's mind without me changing, what do you think the problem came to in the first place? And this is the common flaw that we have. We have, we have, we have a major blame issue. We don't, we don't, taking responsibility is very difficult today. We don't want to deal with taking responsibility. We don't want to deal with the deep work. So we just, we just you know, say these other people are the cause of my suffering, etc.
So what does David Hawkins say? Beautiful, beautiful comments. Beautiful, beautiful, what he's saying here. Because we are so intermediately connected with our basic desires for love and security, we all, we're all seeking love and security, relationships bring up these innermost feelings. For that reason, they're extremely valuable. They're very, very important. You can be very successful financially, but if you don't have the right relationships at home, it'll mean nothing to you. Tony Robbins says that all that. It's very, very important. We're very, very, our relationships are very, very important. Sometimes when you have the wrong relationship, the, the material success and all the success, well, you won't even enjoy it. You won't even enjoy it. Why? Because, look what he's saying here. We, when we look at common reactions and examine the real purpose, emotional reactions have nothing to do with love. Emotional reactions, because love is a state of oneness. Love is not just an emotion. Love is what you are, who you are. It's not something you do. It's who you are. If I love, it's not something I do. I love. When I love, I look at everybody as one. You understand? The more love you have for yourself, the more you look at the good points in that person. You'll see the love in him. You see only the good in him. But the more we see, the more you see the godliness in that person. The more you notice him. But the less love you have for yourself, the easier it is to judge and the ego gets in the way. So, so what he's saying here, love is not just an emotion that comes and goes. What often passes for love is the most common human understanding of primarily attachment. What we label today as love is usually an attachment, a dependency, or a possessiveness. You understand? That's more the love that you see today. Oh, I love that person. You, know, you're, you love the attachment. You, love, you don't want to be alone. So you're looking at his love, and this is where you see I fell in love with that person <laughs> in a rehab. What are you talking about? How did you love it? You don't even know who you are. I mean, you felt you don't even know what love is. First, you have to love yourself to know what love is. Because when you're in love and you love yourself and you know who you are, you don't judge. That's a sign. You give people space. I've said it a thousand times. Space creates love. Or love creates space. You understand? When we don't, we think we're thinking love is attachment. And, 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 and passion and romance. This is an illusion in our own mind. He says here, as we, as we all see, all emotions towards others involve the basic belief that we are incomplete within ourselves and therefore others are viewed and utilized as a means to an end. I need that person to be happy. I need that relationship to be happy. It's a problem. If you need something else to be happy, then you need to be happy. Again, it's a conditional love. People are getting in relationships with this. It's a fantasy and illusion, what he's saying here. We also discover much of what we experience in a relationship is happening only in our imagination. Let's start, and he talks about specific each emotions. Most of the stuff, you know, like the other day, you know, I gave a great story about a friend of mine saying he's getting verbally abused and he feels abused in his relationship. All his wife wanted to tell him is to put the toilet seat down. But he says, she's abusing me, she thinks I'm lazy, she makes me take out the garbage. So she's asking you to put the toilet seat down and take out the garbage, which is usually what a man should do. How is that abusive relationship? How is that abusive? But, but, when you, but you, what happened? You lost your job, you don't feel good about yourself. And your wife's telling you two simple things and you're making it all about you. That's not an abusive relationship. You can't take out the garbage? What's wrong with taking out the garbage? Your wife's gonna take out the garbage? You take out the garbage. How is that an abusive comment? How are you getting abused? That's in your own mind that you're getting abused. Not getting abused. She's asking you to take out the garbage. But this is where people get 
This is why I always ask about abusive relationships. Give me the details. Let me hear the details. Let me see it in the, pers- in the, in the right perspective versus I'm getting abused all the time. It's such a common word today because the media, everything's about abuse, racism, it's all in the world. It's just this mindset about self-centeredness. It's all about me. It, it, you could see the consciousness of the world where it is today. Very low consciousness. We're with, with, with the victims. We're always the victims. We're always, you don't want to be a victim. You're a co-creator, first of all. You're a co-creator. If you feel abused, there's something about you that you're feeling not good about yourself. So he's saying here, anger, for example, the first feeling we start with is the most negative feelings of hate, malice, anger, rage, revenge, violence. It is obvious that the underlying fantasy here is to eliminate, banish, kill, destroy, injure, hurt, or frighten, or to intimidate. The other person is likely to respond is to avoid or hate us in return and to bring a counteract in the less form of criticism, uh, resentment, etc., or negative judgment about others. The, emo- the emotional purpose, when you have anger, you know what your emotional purpose is? You want to punish them. You want to make them feel sorry, trying to force them to change their feelings and behavior and to make them suffer and to get even with them. Anytime you're, trying to, you're angry inside and you're being quiet and you're resenting, all you want to do, like we said before, emotional blackmail, is get even. You don't treat me like this. Instead of saying, you know what? I was disappointed about what happened. I had an expectation. But you, we call it anger, self-centeredness. And then all of a sudden, you make it all about you. You lost control in an area because you were insecure. And next thing you know, it becomes a, a, I'm getting even with you mindset. And this is not, this is not the Tomer Devorah. This is not what, how we're, we're supposed to be. We're not supposed to get even. We're supposed to make peace, communicate, express, and get to a, a common, uh, what needs to, to work on versus these emotions that are constantly destroying everything. To handle this, we have to realize that almost everybody has these fantasies. They have these fantasies of what the other person's thinking about me. I feel you hate me. I feel this. I feel you don't love me enough. This is all, again, this is all projection. It's all a projection of your own insecurities on the world. Only a projection on everything. And if you don't fix this, if you don't fix this, for example, you, don't, you won't get the right text message all or that person will be cold to you on the phone. Maybe that business, you know, that person lost a business deal. And, but you're going to say, you see, he's not into me anymore. You have no idea how many panic people get, how much panic people get just on the smallest things. But you're actually triggering, somebody's actually triggering exactly what, you're, what you believe about yourself. Looking at, other, at feelings on a level interpreted, we can now interpret another law of consciousness. Listen to this law of consciousness. Our feelings and thoughts always have an effect on the other person and affect our relationships, whether these thoughts or feelings are verbalized or not. Period. You understand? By not even saying anything, the way you feel, if you feel fear that you're going to get rejected, it's eventually going to happen as criticism. You'll be criticized. If you feel not worthy enough, you know what's going to happen? You're going to get criticized. You're going to get criticized because you're not, you don't feel worthy enough. If you don't feel worthy enough, you're criticizing yourself, you know what's going to happen? Others will criticize you. But when you feel trust in God and you feel love in yourself, you will not take it personal. This is all the, your own feelings. And this is a beautiful, this is a, this is a basically mission statement. I, what I'm feeling about myself, I'm going to eventually see in other people. And the worst thing is, is when you don't have the awareness 
and you just have an emotional uh, back and forth game. You know, two people in bankruptcy court trying to make a deal together. <laughs> and that's the problem. We have to grow spiritually. And you have to understand, the distractions, and when we feel this pain, and we're in pain, you know we're in pain, we're in pain, because anytime you have pain in life, God's telling you this is where you need to grow from. Any attempt to avoid this pain, this emotional pain, these constant relationships that keep up, and you're not doing anything about it, you're just putting a band-aid on it. And then it's just going to manifest in another relationship. As we say all the time, I got abused in this relationship. How'd you get abused in three relationships in a row? How's that possible? Maybe that's what you're holding inside of yourself. You just hear, you hear these stories and you got to really get to the, to the root of the issue. But what you're holding inside is what people see it. You don't even have to say anything. So this is where the work inside. But when you're happy, people want to be with you. But when we're not happy, people don't want to be with us. Period. And there's people that, that are very heavy on me. They take my energy and I'm not running to call them. I'm not running to call them until they have a different perspective because I know I can't help them at this time. They're going to pull me down. And there's certain people that I can't help right now because they're not in a state. All they're doing is taking. And I want to help them, but I, there's no room for me there because they're too busy shooting the target and not wanting and not realizing what the problem is. So what he's saying here, we generally know, that, for example, when somebody's angry towards us, even if they say nothing, sensing that there's represented, repressed anger, feeling, we might say, is something wrong? Something wrong, right? We always say, hey, you're not talking, you give a, is something wrong? And we're very, you have to say something, this is one of the things I'm doing, I did shuva the past two days. I've had a, I don't know what's wrong with my, but I recognize that I'm not working, my mood was very, very rough the past two days. I had to go into a cold plunge. The, there's also an energy in, in Tevet itself. There's also an energy in Tevet, and, and we're entering Bezrat Hashem. So this, it's normally to have the Kotzer Ruach. I mean, the Torah is telling us there's a Kotzer Ruach of Avadakasha. So it's normal to pick up on that energy. But at least we notice that times when we're very moody, we've got to do something to cool off. I went into cryotherapy. <laughs> That's how I cooled off. I went into you know, negative 100 degrees and then changed my mood completely. But there's, got to, there's that energy where you have to just stop. And, and there's no reason you have to dump on others because you feel not happy. And this is what we do. We displace so much energy. That's what we talked about yesterday. So much displacement of energy. So much dumping on others just because we don't feel good about ourselves or because we're not in a good mood. Take a time out. Stop dumping on other people. Why are you continuing that pattern? It's exactly what the Yetzirah wants, like we spoke about before. Abuse people, abuse others. Stop the pattern. Change the momentum. So what he's saying here, as we begin to investigate, we find that the set of feelings we hold about another person is mirrored back by the attitude and that. And when we change our inner attitude about them, their attitude changes abruptly. We are unconsciously influ influencing others all the time. Unconsciously. Why do you think Rabbi Rush tells the person if he has a Shalom Bayit issue? What, do you what does he tell him? Go to therapy? You know what he tells him, the person? Talk 30 minutes about only finding good points in your wife. Hmm. Why would he tell you that? So you mean I can change my shalom bite when it has nothing to, and my spouse is not even involved. First you got to do therapy with yourself. 
Because there's something about her that you're seeing in yourself. Period. When you see this, this is called Mochim Gadlut. Mochim Gadlut means you're on the right track. After this, what do you think happens when you do that? Mercy comes to you because you hit the right track. But when you're all day long complaining about the other person, when really you're the one projecting that issue. I mean, we see this all day long. You're not going to get vaccinated? You don't do this? You do this? Now you're a racist now. What? What? From not vaccinated this to this, now you're racist. You're, you see what's going on in the world. What's I mean, People are just so much fear and control and anger. They just want to dump it on people. Complete mishugayim over here. If people need, what are the lema? You see his panic and hysteria. It's all inside. Stress is not outside, it's inside. This is why you can't lock up people for, for months. What do you think is going to, what are they going to think they're going to do? You're going to lock up people in a house. They're going to live to eat. They're going to watch nonsense all day long. And then they're going to come out consciously, oh, I feel so much better. What do you think happened to that post-traumatic stress and all that? It's all built up. And it just comes up, comes up wherever it is. It's like taking a soda can. And then all of a sudden, having somebody else open it. Exploding. This is why we need to do the work. We need to do the work every morning. We need to do the work. We have relationships we don't like. How can we become better? How do we view? Why are we judging that person? Who are we to judge? Is there something in me that needs to be changed? The only way to overcome the initial paranoia is to clean up our own act. Clean up your own act. Jordan Peterson says it beautifully. He says, you want to change the world? Make your bed. Make your room first. Clean up your room first before you clean the world. Clean up. Make sure your room is clean. Don't talk. Silence. Clean up your room. Then we can change the world. With this observation, it's quite clear that the intensely negative feelings are just boomeranging right against us. And others are merely mirrors. They mirror back what we are projecting on them. I have a feeling the relationship's not going to work out. Well, what do you think that, per- that person's probably feeling? It's the same. When you go into a relationship bankrupt, you can't expect to be in the Fortune 500. So there's a lot of cleaning up to do. You go into a relationship, work on yourself. Have a daily meditation. Talk to God. Clear up all of this mess. Because what's going to happen is you're going to go in an insecure relationship. You're going to have this fear. The people are going to say, well, what are you nagging me? What are you, you don't trust me? And it's just going to be a mess. It's a mess. And I see this all the time. And it's not changing because nobody's listening. And then they're blaming God. They're blaming the singles market. They're blaming this. They're blaming the, the economy. Bah, boo, boo, whatever they're blaming. COVID. The ball's in your court. You need to understand that. When I have an issue with my wife, when I, have an, I am taking responsibility. I go do my Hezbollah to do. I work on my humility. I work on why am I looking at her like that? What's wrong with me? What am I holding in that's projecting this, this thing? And instantly when I change my subconscious, instantly the situation changes. Instantly. Instantly things change. Then you're free. But when you don't do the work and you expect results, that is ridiculous. Guilt, for example, when we feel guilt, the next heavy area of negativity is guilt. Here, the underlying purpose is to placate 
to escape from punishment or by self-punishment, and to elicit forgiveness. The most important of this is, is we want to we want to elicit punishment punishment from the other person combined with self-punishment. For instance, if we are guilty because we're late to an appointment, that guilt will frequently uh, be a critical response from the other person. For example, if you're guilt, why are you late? If you think you're going to get criticized, you're going to end up getting criticized. You understand? If you almost look for it, you end up getting you're, you're attracted. If we hold in our mind that we are small and unworthy, then we get these results. I can't believe how I was insulted by people. I can't believe what happened to me today. That person insulted me. That person insulted me. You wouldn't believe what kind of day I've had. Ba 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 ba. Did you hold those feelings? Because you cannot feel insulted. You cannot be. If you're humble, you cannot be insulted by somebody. You will just recognize it's the other person's limitation. Period. If we think we are only worth worth a crust of bread, then that's all you're going to get. This is what scriptures meant. The poor get poorer and the rich get richer. It's a mindset. The poor get poorer and the, and the rich get richer. Poverty on any level is not just financial. It's also emotional poverty. The overall relationships will behave as though the other person will be aware of inner feelings. Just think about every time you're in a relationship that that person is reading your inner feeling. They're getting that vibe from you. If you're sending them love, they will reciprocate in love. Exactly what happens. You walk into a room. Yesterday, great energy. Everybody's, the energy was up. Everybody was happy. Nobody's thinking about worrying. You understand? The energy level. You know, when you're in a high energetic place, everybody picks up on that energy. When you're in a very low energetic place, people pick up on that. So people come to Florida. You know, they feel differently when they come here. The air is different. But when, you know, you go to some places, to, you, you just pick up on the energy. You pick up on that, you know, you walk up to some synagogues. You just pick up on that energy, the vibe in that place. It's because that's what everybody's manifesting. Listen to this, what he's saying here. If a dog can feel you, you know, dogs can sense you. Don't you think a human being can? <laughs> If a dog can feel fear in a person, don't you think a human being can? Not as much. Huh? Not as much. They're more intuitive. They're more intuitive, but if a dog can do it, I'm sure a human being can also figure out if that person has fear. If a person, ha- if, if a person is intuitive with himself, and if he's aware, he can feel fear right away. I can feel fear right away. Apathy and grief. The feelings of apathy, grief, depression, sorrow, and self-pity, and this hopelessness is the inner programming of I can't. Basically, you're telling yourself, I can't. The purpose is to elicit sympathy, to win back, to gain support, to make others feel sorry for you, right? But instead, you know what it's going to do? Instead of people feeling sorry for you and getting self-pity, you know what they're going to do? They're just going to avoid you. So your attempt to get attention is going to end up becoming what? They're not even going to deal with you. And this is what he's saying here. Why avoidance? The avoidance is because there's a huge energy, energy demand. Anytime you're making a huge energy demand on another person, that person is going to not deal with you. Period. We don't want to make huge energy demands on people. We want to be able to give. We want to be able to affect people, not infect people. So when you're, when you're doing the work yourself and you have a positive attitude, you affect people positively. You give. But when you're not doing the work and you have the wrong mindset, you lose your faith, 
you're looking for self-pity, you're looking for attention. You know what happens? You end up draining people. You drain them. I mean, what happens when you get drained? You think that person wants to come back? No. What do you say? I just got drained by that person. This is a consciousness. This is a consciousness. Neediness, the need for neediness, the need for constant validation, all that stuff is constant neediness. And you get drained. And this is why people, you know, and this is what he's saying in this line. When you laugh, the world laughs with you. But when you cry, you cry alone. Constant grief will drive others away. You know, when people came to my shiva call, they said they walked out. They got more kazook from me than, than, than they gave me. Because I saw a much bigger purpose. I saw a much bigger purpose. I saw that God gave me my son as a gift. I was picked to have him as a certain amount of time. And I saw a gift. Of course there was a loss. Of course there was a grief. But I need to do things in his name. You know, yesterday I got a beautiful... Um, all the people that donated Lakute Moran um, in his name. I got a bunch of Lakute Moran sets all in his name. That would make him more happy than me saying, questioning God all the all day Yes, it's tough. 100%. But you have to understand, what would my son want? Not what I want. What would he want? He wouldn't want me to do this. It's not about me. It's about him. What would he want at this moment? He would want his name and his one soul versus wallowing and, 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 and taking people's energy. I, 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 it's not the way I live. Yes, it's a Superman approach. But that's technically, when, you're, when, you see the, when, you, when you're in the right mindset, this is the only mindset you have when, you, when, you, when a person has a breakage in life. is to rise up. It's exactly what your creator wants. The last one will do fear. For example, fear. When you have fear in the relationship, you have tension and anxiety. How many people tell me? My, I, my feel, I have anxiety in my relationship. I have a major anxiety in my relationship. Why do you have anxiety in the relationship? Because you have fear, period. Right? And what happens when you have fear? Your, your partner feels it. When you have fear that you're, it's not going to work out, what do you think your partner feels? Confident? No. So they're also looking at something wrong in the relationship. Do you understand? You almost send them the fear signal. They send it back to you. And then, oh, it didn't work out. What happened? <laughs> no, it just didn't work out. You're both sending, you're both coming in with fear. And you're expecting something different. You're both going into a relationship with anxiety. And you're expecting a different outcome. How in the world is that going to work? But when you go with trust, when you both go with trust, things work out. Nobody's sending that signal of fear. This is how I was able to get married in 30 days. We both send trust. We both have tr- trust. Things are going to work out. What happened? Nobody had that anxiety signal. My wife didn't have it and I didn't have it. I'm just giving you, what, telling you the, the root of the problem. Is what kind of signal are you sending to your relationship? And expecting different. If you're sending love and hope and good, things are going to work out. It's going to work out. An insecure person is fearful prone to jealousy, clinging, possessiveness, attachment to relationships, an approach that is always brings frustration. The purpose of these feelings is to bind tightly, to possess the other, to achieve security by preventing loss. And all you're doing is punishing yourself by being too possessive and being too clingy and being too short. Because then that person's going to say, well, this is going to be my whole life. I'm going to always be on the clock. I'm going to always be in a security uh, in the middle of uh, everything's going to be questioned. 
And who's going to want to be in a relationship with that? So you've got to understand, if this is happening, this is the work. Don't go approve, get approved for a house with a 400 beacon score or a 450 beacon score. Get the credit score up and then look for the proper house with a conscious, and then you'll end up meeting people on, a, on that conscious level. The same thing with, uh, with pride, for example, for walking with pride, right? Then we try to be perfectionist. We try to be extremely punctual. We try to be extremely cleansy. We're workaholic and excessive ambitious. Success, right? Because obviously we want, this is the way we want to be judged. When we, when we have adequate self-esteem, we are motivated, inner humility and gratitude, and therefore there's no need to constantly elicit strokes of compliments. When we stop wanting to be liked, we find that we are. When we stop catering to others, and try to manipulate their approval, we find that they do respect us. When you let go, you let God. People see the godliness, but the more you're trying to push your agenda on people, the more people want to go to run. This is, I mean, I, I can't tell you how much, how accurate this is. I mean, basically the ball's in your court. If the relationships are not working out, if they're constantly rejecting, do you feel rejected? This is where we really have to do the work. And this is where you need a specific time to do this. And if you don't do this, and you're not willing to put five minutes, 20 minutes a day to work on this, then what do you think is going to happen? You're spending four months on a, on a relationship. How much time is that costing you? That's costing you tons of time. Spend the 20 minutes, sharpen the knife. Go in there with a the good consciousness. Make sure you're sending good vibes to people. They will reciprocate back. Number one question you ask girls. He makes me feel like this. They'll tell you that all the time. He makes, I love him, he makes me feel secure. He makes me feel secure. Or he makes me feel not secure. Somebody makes you feel, you should feel like that. What do you mean somebody makes you feel? You're holding that. But it's usually the guy's job to do the leading, to have that be to home, to send the light. Remember, we're wired differently. Man is the sun, she's the moon. Man has to do a lot more work on making that person feel secure making the spouse feel secure, etc. Versus the woman. The man's job is really to do the bulk. He's the chokhmah. He has to infuse the light into the moon. She's the, she's the malchus. The man is the sun. He's the chokhmah. He has to infuse that light. He has to be more positive. He has to constantly encouragement. Constant compliments. Constant validation. She has a bigger yetzahar with this issue than man does. Man has to do the, the, the majority of pulling in this area. Man has to do the majority of the work. But also, if a woman, also, she has these fears, and she has this insecurity, and she's walking into relationships, obviously people want to be with people that are secure. You go into a business deal, you want confident people. You don't want people that, that, are, that are saying, oh my God, get fired, oh my God. You don't want that. And this is something, there's a tremendous amount of work that needs to be done, and people are not realizing this. They're just flipping apps, they're, they're going on dates, and they're, they're not doing the work. They're not doing the work, and that's what frustrates me. Because you would be getting better results. You get results when you do the work. And this is why my classes are not, this is not about relationship, this is about doing deep work. It's exactly what Rav Nachman tells us. You gotta go deep work. And when you do this deep work, everything in your life transforms. That is what Hasidus is all about. Doing the dip, going into bittel, going into completely, 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 Surrendering all, neg all negative emotions of your character. 
And when you're able to do that, then you can show up to the world and, and make a big difference in the world. But when you can't get out of your own head, how can you change the world? How can you change, change your relationship? And this is such an amazing approach when you, when you, when, you know, imagine a sec, two secular people going to a, a therapist and, and two people going to Rabbi Rush. They're going to have two different theories and two different therapies. Rabbi Rush says, you have something wrong with that person? Work on yourself. Completely different theory, completely different therapy. And remember, every physical problem is a spiritual problem. Remember that. So remember, go in, do not project all your garbage on the, onto the other person. And this is not a, a religious book. This is a path of surrender. This is a secular book. But it's exactly what Hasidus t- tells us. People are mirrors, and whatever you're thinking during the day, that person is getting your vibes. You think you can think about negative about that person, come home, how's your day? Great! They're feeling it. They're feeling your vibes. Remember, thoughts are energy. People feel energy. May Hashem help us all, that we should all fix our marriages, fix our situations. First starts with fixing ourselves. Fixing ourselves. That's where the beginning starts. Have a great time.